I was recently interviewed uh, by another podcast. It's a brand new one, so there's no links out there yet. So I'll, I'll drop those links once they once they become out. Um, but during the interview, we got on the topic about mental health, and the interviewer she asked me about what I'm doing to stay mentally healthy during this time of COVID. And as I thought about this after the podcast recording, I was like, that was a great question for a few reasons. So let's talk about why that is. So how's it going, everyone? My name is Paul. Welcome to another Monday episode of Use Your Words podcast. So like I said in the little intro segment there, I was interviewed by another podcast. Um, it's brand new. Literally, I think I was the second person that she had interviewed for this. And it's an interesting uh, premise, uh, essentially where she's interviewing people she has never met before. She doesn't do research on them. She just starts some questions and see where the conversation goes. And it was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. And one of the topics that came up was on mental health. And what am I doing to stay healthy during this time of COVID? You know, and... I was thinking about this back. COVID, we have seen this huge increase in suffering from COVID. And I'm not just talking about the people who have gotten sick with it or the family members of the people that have died from it. And I'm going to state this straight away so that there's no question about any of this. Any death from COVID, anyone who's gotten sick has been horrible. You know, you have these people fighting online. Is it the flu? Is it not the flu? Blah, 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 blah. That doesn't matter. What matters is that people are and have gotten sick and died from this disease, regardless of the fact. And that's horrible. But what we're also seeing is that people, because of this new disease, you know, uh, states and counties and all that have created like essentially this forced isolation. And that's causing other people to suffer as well. We've seen an increase in suicide, self-harm, drug addiction, Alcohol sales. I mean, alcohol sales have gone through the roof countrywide. And we've seen this increase on all these different things across the board here in the U.S. and across all ages. It's not just one age. It's not another. It's all ages have seen this increase. And that has me concerned because these are people that maybe weren't having these issues before. These are people that maybe they were having a drink before with their uh, co-workers after work and now are downing whole bottles. These are people who maybe were doing fine mentally, but because of the forced isolation are now dealing with depression, suicidal ideation, etc. And it's scary. We need to keep people healthy from the virus. Yes, agreed. But we also need to find a way to keep people mentally healthy as well. And... I say this, and I know that that's a broad question, and I know I've touched upon this before. So how do you keep mentally healthy these days? There's a lot of techniques out there. If you search the web, how do I stay mentally healthy? You're going to find all these people saying, offering all these ideas on how to be healthy. Well, let me tell you something. As someone who has actually gone through inpatient and outpatient therapy and has gone through therapy sessions with a licensed and trained therapist, there are multitude of ways. Some are going to work for some people and some are not going to work for some people. Every one of us is different. Just like we all like different colors. We all like different foods. We all like different music. 
our brains are wired and work differently. That being said, there are certain things that work kind of across the board. So one of those things that works kind of across the board is this idea of uh, self-care. Now, what is self-care? If you look up and just search, you know, using Bing or your favorite search engine of choice, DuckDuckGo, you'll get that it's an ADL. ADL? What the heck is that? So quick background on me. I used to work in the long-term healthcare uh, IT industry. So ADL is something that was always an acronym that was thrown around all the time. ADL stands for Activities of Daily Living. Okay, what's that? Brushing your teeth, taking a shower, wearing clean clothes, eating a meal, you know, doing stuff that a normal, healthy person does. You know, and obviously there's going to be days where, you know, especially during COVID, you know, where you might wear the same shirt two or three days in a row. Where you might not take a shower except for like maybe every other day. But maybe as part of the self-care, you say, I am going to take a shower every single day. So again, if you search for self-care, you're going to get that ADL and you're going to get that medical definition. You're going to be like, okay, that's cool. But what does this have to do with mental health? Now, I'll say this. Those things I listed before, they are important. No question about it. They are important. Brush your teeth. Keep those cavities at bay. Wash yourself. Get you know, wear clean clothes, go out, eat food so you don't starve to death or, you know, maybe eat reasonably so you don't overeat like me. Um, (laughs) But self-care mentally also delves into a few other things. So self-care meant, you know, when you're talking about mental health, it's this overarching idea that you're doing something to help yourself uh, feel better. Well, not necessarily feel better. I guess you could say keep grounded. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. Like I said, you know, our brains are all different. What I may do for self-care mentally may be different than, you know, what Aaron does, what Josh does. Although I have a feeling both me and Aaron will probably include music in our list. But the idea behind this is that it is something that helps us get through the day. And typically, typically is something that is pleasurable. There's another component to self-help here. One of those components is also called mindfulness. So mindfulness is this concept, this idea of living in the moment. You find a lot of people with mental health issues, we tend to live either in the past or the present. We don't tend to live in the moment. We may be out with friends, but we're worrying about what tomorrow's things come or is going to come. We worry about that thing we said five years ago, and we just dwell on it. We don't have the capability sometimes to just live in the moment. We use that terrible word, should. Should implies so much baggage and weight on it. It's saying, literally, I should have done this, but I did this instead. And when you think about that way, you're you're adding a bunch of guilt to yourself needlessly. But should, living in the future, living in the past, you're not living in the moment. You're not playing with your dog. You're not watching as he runs around while you toss the bone. You're not sitting with your friends, enjoying the conversations, noticing how they laugh. You're not outside 
listening to the wind blow through the field. You're not doing whatever. You're instead so focused on everything else that you're just doing the motions to get through right now. And I'm not saying mindfulness is easy. It is a hard thing to put into practice. It has taken me many, many, many months to get semi-decent at it. And I'm still working at it every day. I'm still working at it every time I need to be mindful. Instead of worrying about, you know, in 30 days I have this due, it's like, what am I doing right now today? What am I doing right now this instant? I'm not letting those things go on. Now, part of this mindfulness, though, is in self-care, is, again, you're doing things you enjoy. So you might be putting on some music. That's great. You know, that's one thing that's on my list of self-care things. But when I'm putting on the music, I'm not just putting it on in the background to enjoy it. I'm getting lost in it. For something to be like a self-care, a mindful thing, It needs to be something that you're actively engaged in, not just something playing in the background. Anyone could have music playing in the background and it gets lost and you go, oh, I don't know what those lyrics were. I don't know what that was saying, you know, but if you play that song that you like and you're listening and engaging with the lyrics, you're analyzing the vocals and the delicate interplay between the vocals and the instruments and just doing all just essentially living in the moment of the music, getting lost in it. That's being mindful. Now, being mindful is not the only tool of self-care, but it's one, and it's a good one to keep, you know, in that quiver. You know, it's a good one to keep in the arsenal for whenever maybe you're having a bad day. And it's not something you have to do, you know, 24-7. You know, people will go, oh, you need to be mindful 24-7, da-da. Being mindful is a very hard thing to do because you have to be focused in on whatever's going on. You can't just be last the days ago just doing whatever. And so it it takes a lot of mental energy to be mindful at times because you have to kind of focus in and be like, what is going on around me currently? And people go, oh, that mindfulness, this sounds great. It's all good. Well, sometimes being mindful is also being fully present and engaged, even when things are bad. You know, what is going on around me right now that's causing me to react this way? And what am I feeling with my emotions? You know, how does this person yelling make me feel? And why is it making me feel this way? It's not just you make me upset and you trigger me. Why? What is that root cause? That's being mindful. You're engaging actively with your emotions. You're still feeling your emotions. Those are still allowed to happen, but you're actively engaging. You're actively wrestling with it. You're actively feeling it. You're not ignoring them. Because as soon as you ignore those emotions, they build up over time, and they're going to be released at some point. And that can be dangerous because if we don't process our emotions, if we don't find a way to feel and know what's causing these things, we're going to be so volatile 
that just someone saying the wrong word could send us off on a rage or send us off crying. But if we're mindful, if we're engaging actively, knowing why these things are are triggering us, essentially, we can start healing, start learning, start engaging, and start getting better mentally. And like I said, it takes practice, and you will fail. I have failed so many times doing this. I could think of a couple times just this past week where I failed. So it's not a perfect thing. Like anything in life, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And sometimes you're going to, you're going to have to fold and say, I can't do this today. And in that case, when you can't be mindful, you put other things in place, you know, uh, self-soothing. That's the case when you just listen to the music, just to listen to it and have as background to get you through that crisis moment. That's when you go and you get that ice cream. That's when you go and you grab that soda, when you take your dog for the walk, when you do whatever. There's multiple levels of self-care. So don't be afraid when you have to use one or the other. But personally, I have found that mindfulness is one of the most potent and powerful ones that has helped me get through a lot of stuff because it's helped me to analyze why certain things adjust and affect my brain the way they do. And of course, you're, you're probably thinking here, yeah, right, you know, Paul, you have mental health issues, you know, you've acknowledged this, you've talked about this, you haven't been shy in the past about admitting it on camera and on podcasts about these things, and of course you need to do all this. Yeah, I do. But right now, we have people whose entire lives and their entire mental batteries have been built up around around being social with other people, and due to COVID, all of a sudden are being told they cannot do that, that if they go and meet with people you know, depending on where you're in the U.S., you know, if you're, ha- you're, you're in an area where there's a sudden spike, all of a sudden you can't do that under risk of jail or financial penalty. And that's crazy. And these people don't know how to handle this change. I've seen this many times. And you would think, you know, maybe our youngsters, our teens would be more aware and know how to work with this better. But they don't. You're like, These teens who live their entire lives on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and other social media apps doing online videos and texting and Instagramming and Snapchatting and da-da-da. But they miss that personal interaction as well. Even me as a social introvert, someone who likes staying at home way more than going out and meeting with people, I'm finding that after those first few weeks of COVID, I needed personal interaction. Otherwise, I was starting to go crazy. We were still doing uh, Pathfinder games online through Discord. But even then, that that's not the same as personal interaction. Yeah, we're not touching each other or doing anything weird at uh, these games. We're just sitting around a table. But there's something different about sitting around a table than sitting looking at each other on webcam. Where at any time, I could go and mute my mic, black out my camera, go do something else and come back. When you're sitting around and engaging with people, when you're in the moment, when you're, <laughs> when you, when you are being intentional, when you're being mindful, what is going on? It's way different than when I know I can just disconnect from that Discord chat at any time. 
Now, besides being mindful, what are some other self-care things? Well, self-care, besides the mindfulness, essentially is stuff that is pleasurable for the most part. So this could be getting a massage, uh, going to get a snack. It could also be other practical things like cleaning your room, taking a shower, going for a walk, um, playing with your pet. It could be something that's just mental exercise only, such as journaling. That could be a very good self-care thing. And also it helps you pro- um, not, not chart, but document your progress and your thinking and the way things are going. And if you're religious at all, you journal as well, like your prayers, your praises, what's going on in your life that's troubling you and where God has helped and brought victory to your life and to the issues going on with you. And that's a lot going on. And those are a lot of different ways to, to do self-care. Again, I try to keep the Monday episodes kind of short, and some of them have gone long, and I'm trying to keep this compressed because there is a lot in there for self-care. And I know we probably need to do another episode on self-care for Wednesday. In fact, there's probably a couple topics. They'll probably get another episode reboot. We're going Hollywood, apparently. We're rebooting every topic into its own episode like three or four times. Now, at the start, I said that I appreciated the question. That was a good question to have asked during this podcast interview about mental health and self-care and that. And why is that? Well, the primary reason, if I'm being honest, is that it helps destigmatize mental health. Now, one person asking another is not going to instantly drop the barrier across the board. No. But it incrementalizes just a little bit each time. Anytime we can incrementally destigmatize the conversation around mental health and the issues that go on with it, the better. And I'm glad to see that happening. And I I really want to thank, you know, and again, I'll post out the podcast links. Uh, She hasn't come up with a full name yet for the podcast, so... Otherwise, I would tell you what the podcast name is and to look for it and subscribe for it once it came out, but it's not there yet. But I was glad that she was willing to have this conversation, even though she didn't necessarily understand everything herself with everything, but she was still interested. There was no shaming. There, It was um, a, a really good conversation. And, you know, and we came from, you know, different backgrounds. You know, I come from the more Christian background, obviously. Um, it, it's kind of becoming a part of the show a little bit more. But also she she comes from, you know, she's gone to like, she said one Bible study and I feel bad for her. They talked about demon possession in the Bible study. I was like, that was a horrible Bible study to go to. But she comes from a, a Buddhist background more. But we still had a very good conversation because in all honesty, mental health goes across religious boundaries. Now, how we approach and treat some of the things you know, obviously being a Christian, there's going to be some more of that um, spiritual part that gets injected into the treatment phase, but there's some parts of it that doesn't matter. Atheist, Christian, whatever. There are certain parts of the mental health conversation and treatment that are the same across the board. 
Now, another reason I, I appreciate this conversation is that as a society, like I said, you know, we're too afraid to have that conversation about mental health. It's too stigmatized. And part of it, and I touched on this here in this video or here, wherever, wherever the banner pops up, but I touched upon it, that vulnerability in America is hard. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like letting people in on our struggles, especially, especially something going on in our brain, a mental health issue. That is hard. It's already hard enough to be vulnerable about maybe a struggle we're going through, but then to be vulnerable about our brain being a little broken. Oh. It's not easy, let me tell you. When I had to mention to Aaron those words, I need help, it took me minutes to say those three words out loud. Like I literally sat there on the mic going, I need, and I just kept muting it before I would actually even say it again. I was like, I need, I, I need help. And finally, I, I just had to blurt it out, blurt it out and say, I need help. Because we're afraid of letting other people know our weaknesses. We're afraid of letting other people know that maybe mentally we're a little broken. Because we're afraid that if maybe we're mentally a little broken, they're going to think we're a disaster. And you know what? That's a sad state that we've gone to. And I talked about that in the vulnerability video. So go watch that if you haven't yet. Life is hard sometimes and we need support. And this brings me to the last thing I want to talk about in this video. Now, if you or someone you know needs immediate medical help, they are ready to take the pills to kill themselves. They are ready to cut themselves. Not, not, not across, but down. They like you have even a suspicion in your mind that they are ready to pull the trigger. Call 911, take them to emergency room. It is better that they be maybe a little upset with you that you took such drastic actions than to go to their funeral. Okay. But, here's the but, if they are not at a point where danger, you know, danger to life is immediate, if they are at a point where they're like, you know what, look, I, I, I need help, I don't know what to do, life is crumbling around me, there's a couple things out there for support. First one, always is available, which is the suicidepreventionlifeline.org. There's a phone number there as well as a chat service. There is also, and again, not for immediate life danger. There's also heartsupport.com. Now, heartsupport.com is a site which offers hope for people dealing with depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal ideation. And suicidal ideation essentially means you want to kill yourself you're suicidal and for other hard things that life throws your way our way 
And they have multitude of resources. They have what they call the wall, which is essentially a web forum where you can go and post something. And obviously you don't have to use your real name. And you post like, you know, what's going on? You know, are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling suicidal? Are you feeling alone? You know, I was on there recently. Someone's like looking for help because their mom hit them recently. That was a sad one. And you can go there and get help. Now, obviously, this isn't licensed professional help, you know. Um, and if you post something that, you know, you're close standing it, obviously, people on there are going to not only A, reach out, but they're also going to post links to suicide prevention, lifeline.org and other resources as well. Because as a community and organization, they're not equipped to handle the, you know, I got the knife ready to go. I got the gun ready to go type deals. But instead, they're there to bring hope to those who are having issues. Now, here's the cool part. This is the cool part. I said there was a cool part, right? Anyone can respond. So you don't have to be a licensed therapist. You don't have to be some wise man. You could be an imperfect person who is struggling with stuff as well. But you can respond to anyone. Offer them help. Offer them support. Offer them encouragement. In fact, I'm going to be on there a lot more often um, in the next coming weeks and months. I'm actually doing the Heart Support Masterclass which is learning how to have these conversations better, which is learning how to reach out. And I find it funny because in the class, I'm probably one of the older guys in the class. Most of the people, and this is encouraging, most of the people in that class are between the years of 18 and 25. And that is awesome that we have young people like this who are wanting to better themselves and better their community and learn how to reach out and make an impact for the better for mental health. And that is encouraging beyond degree. So beyond the wall, they also have live streams on Twitch. They have uh, ability to text in to get support. They have links to books, YouTube videos. There's a lot of stuff. And these books were written specifically by heart support um, staff and close partners for the heart support community. There's actually, there's a devotional in there. If you're a Christian, I took the youth group band through that recently. There's a book about dealing with depression. There's a book about self-harm. So there's stuff in there for you, especially if you're dealing with stuff. And they just have resources available. You know, what, what, what is your jam essentially? Do you like YouTube videos? They got that. Do you like reading medium articles? They got that. There's the heart support wall. They got everything. Well, not everything, but they got a lot. And they offer it all up for free. They say, come look for support, look for encouragement. I know right now they actually have some stuff specifically around COVID because they recognize that this isolation that COVID has brought is hurtful 
to many people, especially those who are already suffering with mental health issues. And that's encouraging and that's great. So check it out if you haven't been there. Create an account, go to the wall, read if you want, but if you feel like it, provide encouragement to someone. And you don't have to be all deep and spiritual and solve the problems. Just offering encouragement can make the difference. That can make the difference in anyone's life, and it can especially make the difference for someone who's hurting at that time. So thank you for taking the time to watch this video. Please like, please share it with your friends. Leave a comment. All those things help. Obviously, we don't get a ton of YouTube video views because a lot of the stuff is starts off as audio only. And we'll see what happens. So thank you. Have a good one. Stay safe out there.